The world is becoming increasingly proficient at telling stories that deny God. As such, we need Thinking Christian to become as natural as breathing. Welcome to the Thinking Christian Podcast. I'm Dr. James Spencer. Through calm, thoughtful, theological discussions, Thinking Christian highlights the ways God is working in the world and questions the underlying social, cultural, and political assumptions that hinder Christians from becoming more like Christ. Now, on to today's episode of Thinking Christian. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Thinking Christian. Today, I am back with Aline Vransela, again, my friend and colleague. And we're going to be discussing, we're going to have one more discussion, um, probably one more this round. Uh, I can't imagine Christian nationalism goes away, but we're going to have one more discussion about the neighborly faith uh, study that came out December 2023. And one of the statements with which uh, those who are classified as Christian nationalist adherents this time strongly disagree. And so the statement is this, uh, religion has no place in government. That's the statement with which Christian nationalists heavily disagree, as opposed to uh, any other group that this study sort of uh, puts forth. So Christian nationalist sympathizers, um, they uh, they are less than 25% in agreement with that statement versus, let's say, Christian nationalist adherents are more than 50% in disagreement with that statement. And so you've got a pretty big spread, even just between the the two groups who actually are closest on the survey, um, that they really, really disagree uh, with religion has no place in government. So unlike our previous episodes where um, we've really looked at the statements that Christian nationalists strongly agreed with, this time we're kind of flipping the script and saying, why is it that they would disagree so strongly with this statement? So uh, with that little introduction, I'll say, welcome, Aline. Thanks for being back, man. Great to be back with you. You're snowed in in Portland, so I appreciate you uh, taking the time. And, Best uh, to record a podcast when you're frozen and snowed in. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, any any immediate thoughts about this? Again, you know, you've you've had the opportunity to sort of grow up internationally, and so America and American politics isn't really your first language, let's say. And so, when you think about the relationship between religion and government. Um, what kind of thoughts do you have here that might be relevant for uh, an audience that has largely been in the United States for most of its existence? Uh, what what I really appreciate about U.S. looking looking through a lens of the outsider insider, um, somebody said that there's no such thing as a participant observer. You're either a participant or an observer. You can't you can't be both, right? Um, in this case, I think it's the unique cases in which I might be a participant observer where I'm an <laughs> outsider and I'm also observing. So there are a few things that I really appreciated about American politics or about all this. One is the Americans don't talk about politics, but they talk about politics, which is really interesting. So they yeah. say public. We don't talk about uh, politics, religion and, you know, God in the, in the public space. But in many ways, they do in many ways. Right. Yeah. Uh, one, two, I really appreciate the fact that uh, to this day, I, I've seen a shift which was concerning for me as an outsider on the fact that there's no more debate and there's no more discussion. Right. So the, the marketplace in America has almost removed the, the ability to have a conversation. Let's actually hash it out. Let's have a conversation. 
it's either a debate or it's actually a one-sided, you are a hater, you are this, that's, that's it. You, there's no more conversation, no more dialogue. That is concerning to me because I think many things about, about faith have to be discussed and sometimes in the, in the marketplace. I also love the fact that the Apostle Paul is one of the people that I, I look up to a lot in, in the teachings, was always in the marketplace was always consumed with what was really happening in the marketplace. And he was not oblivious of, of Rome. He was not oblivious of Caesar. They really, he really paid attention because he knew at any given time, changes in the marketplace will impact, it would, it would immediately impact faith. So, you know, if a Caesar comes and says, there's no more religion accepted in Rome, or Christians burn down Rome, all of a sudden you have a persecution of Christians in a matter of days. So I believe it's, it's important. So when I look at religion in America, it is really different than almost any other place in the world. It's a unique place to have that. And the, the, I'll start with the concerning and then I'll go for positive. The concerning is the, the, the juxtaposition of the American culture with what faith is. One is saying that there's no such thing as an American you know, uh, um, religion um, like one, you know, Christianity, even though the nationalists are claiming it to be, you, you know, a, a Christian nation. And we talked about that. But, but there's no such thing as that. Although America, the American culture wants to blend in in almost every faith in America and really capture it for itself. So that's the immediately that I can see as an outsider. Some of the things that are happening, the, the discourse and some of the ways that are positioned are positioned in the area of blurring the lines between what's faith and what's actually uh, culture in America. Uh, yeah, and I think that's a really important point, man. I, and I, I appreciate you bringing it out because I think that blurring of the line between church and state mm -hmm. is actually a, a biblical and theological problem. It goes without saying, but the Bible has changed so many lives. Take a second and think about it. If you didn't have access to a Bible or were even allowed to have one, this is a reality that many are facing. That's why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country, and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my book, Christian Resistance. Simply text THINKING to 71326 to help today. That's T-H-I-N-K-I-N-G. Or visit give.crew.org backslash thinking. Again, that's give.cru.org backslash thinking. Message and data rates may apply. Available to U.S. addresses only. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410.
Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. It goes without saying, but the Bible has changed so many lives. Take a second and think about it. If you didn't have access to a Bible or were even allowed to have one, this is a reality that many are facing. That's why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country, and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my book, Christian Resistance. Simply text THINKING to 71326 to help today. That's T-H-I-N-K-I-N-G. Or visit give.crew.org backslash thinking. Again, that's give.cru.org backslash thinking. Message and data rates may apply. Available to U.S. addresses only. And so um, if we can look at Scripture and discern two separate entities, church and state, Uh Uh, which I think we can. Uh, I mean, Romans 13, I think, makes uh, it quite clear that there are governing authorities. Um, That passage doesn't speak to state specifically, but there are governing authorities that God has appointed that are separate from the church. And the Uh church is to have a specific sort of relationship with them based on the mutual uh, uh, authority of God. So in other Uh words, because both sit under the authority of God, what, what Paul is telling the believers in Rome is he's saying, look, the state is under God's authority. You're under God's authority. You're obeying God when you're obeying the state. Now, right. ultimately, when the state doesn't obey God, you're still obeying God. And so that can create friction and rub, right? But I think the, the state is not the church and the church is not the state. Yes. Now, I think one of the one of the interesting things that sort of again blurs that line between the two when we're looking at this statement it's it's really specifically about religion. And so there's something to be said about the distinction between church and state. There's another thing to be said I think about religion and the state. Uh-huh. So if we look at something like um first amendment we have the establishment clause or the the prohibition of the establishment of religion by the state and then the free exercise of religion. Um what I find fascinating is that that clause doesn't preclude the state from doing religious sorts of things. And so even though they couldn't point to, let's say, you know, your Southern Baptist church down the street and say, we're establishing this as the national church, the United States can use and leverage religious language. It can pull in ceremony and ritual, and it can in essence, create a civil religion. This is something that goes all the back to all the way back to like Rousseau. Um, he posited that the the you know the government needed to have some sort of civil religion that would be broadly tolerant of almost any sort of belief system, and um, would allow the governing authorities not to be subject to the clerics. And so, in other words, he didn't want the church to trump the state. He wanted the state to remain in charge. And to do that, he felt that there needed to be a, some sort of broad consensus about specific uh, theological topics that would be sufficiently broad to cover all the world religions. 
but uh, not necessarily preclude the exercise of those religions. Now, Rousseau was interesting because he also said that um, religious tolerance was necessary. In other words, um, religions had to tolerate, right, what was going on with other religions. So yes. as we as we look at this today, you know, um, Christianity is an exclusive religion. Um, and what I what I mean when I say that is that we believe that um, it's not that we just believe it. It's that God has revealed to us that the reality is the Bible is the authority, that Christ is the only way, and that all these other ways are providing false hope, that they are providing um, false teachings, and that Christianity is the only religion. Now, we are not militant about that, mm -hmm. which I think is part of what Rousseau was concerned with. He didn't want one religion to be so militant that they started to try to take over and coerce people into behaving in a manner that was commensurate with their religion, as opposed to persuading them to come over to the side of their religion. <laughs> right. That's a big difference. And so, uh, you know, the separation of religion and government, I think, it is sort of problematic as we look at it, because what you have is um, established religions, Christianity, Islam, Hinduism, Judaism, you know, all those sort of established religions. Then you also have what I would call secular ideologies, right? Um, we've seen a number of writers um, argue that things like um, critical race theory or the whole woke movement is religion-esque or anal su sufficiently analogous to religion that we might as well treat it like a religion, but it's not officially recognized as a world religion. Mm -hmm. And then you also have civil religion, which we most often ignore. We, we sort of leave that one alone um, because it feels very uh, innocuous, right? Mm -hmm. and, and it feels accommodating of all faiths. And so um, when something is accommodating mm -hmm. all faiths, it doesn't feel like an enemy of any of those faiths. But mm -hmm. the reality is, it kind of is. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, any thoughts or comments on that? Yes, I, I have a few observations. I actually really appreciate... Um the the excursion through the history of us because i do think us um even though it's 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 relatively it's a relatively new uh, co country i mean 250 yeah. years you know I, I mentioned this my my uh home hometown is from the 1500s um I, I spent some time in england and when you are there it's fascinating that um you you get a sense that england is an is an old wise person and america is a teenager and they treat it like that, like America's is like, oh, so we, basically the attitude is like, we've done that. You'll, you'll grow out of it. <laughs> right. We've right. experienced yeah. that. But yeah. in many cases, America has done things that are unprecedented. And it's the reason that it's, it's called the greatest experiment, because it's done some things in the way that it, it's created a space. Somebody gave an example of how the socialism in Scandinavia and Norway is a good example of something yeah. that America should should thrive for, and I I argued significantly the the fact that America is unprecedented because it had a, it has 192 nations living together with I think 192 religions uh, coexisting in a way that is unprecedented because in Norway you have five million people that are basically of the same belief <laughs> mostly, and even then sometimes they have a hard time. So how do you do it? Yeah. In in uh, when I lived in Chicago, I was in a building apartment that had 400 apartments. 
And I think all the 192 nations were represented in that building, right? And you learn how to actually uh, coexist really well. But learning the history of how America has had to learn about some things and put some things in place is really powerful. What I think it's one observation that I have when you talk, I love the first you argued the idea of religion. What is religion? Um, and if you go for how, how misunderstood it is, so when a Christian nationalist that identifies himself as a Christian nationalist and then answers a survey, when they make the statement, I want religion to actually have a significant place in the government, I'm quite certain they mean Christianity. <laughs> and they're not thinking religion. Right? Somebody, there was a conference one time on religious freedom, and somebody made the observation, you're here because you want Christianity or freedom, right? Not religion. Because if you truly want religion or freedom, that would bother you that Buddhist next to you, the Islam next to you, would have the same religious rights that you would have right next to you in America. But they're not fully wrong, um, being care very careful with the statement, because my understanding is that the world religion has a Christianity origin. And it initially meant, and Augustine, I think, uh, uh, argues with this hardly um, and, and says um, he was bothered by the use of the word religion because initially religion meant a worshiping of God, basically a Christian God. But then it was used mostly for social relationships. It goes without saying, but the Bible has changed so many lives. Take a second and think about it. If you didn't have access to a Bible or were even allowed to have one, this is a reality that many are facing. That's why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country, and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my book, Christian Resistance. Simply text THINKING to 71326 to help today. That's T-H-I-N-K-I-N-G. Or visit give.crew.org backslash thinking. Again, that's give.cru.org backslash thinking. Message and data rates may apply, available to U.S. addresses only. It goes without saying, but the Bible has changed so many lives. Take a second and think about it. If you didn't have access to a Bible or were even allowed to have one, this is a reality that many are facing. That's why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country, and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my book, Christian Resistance. Simply text THINKING to 71326 to help today. That's T-H-I-N-K-I-N-G. Or visit give.crew.org backslash thinking. Again, that's give.cru.org backslash thinking. Message and data rates may apply, available to U.S. addresses only. And when people were using religion, they were using it mostly for social relationships. And I found that interesting that the word has evolved now all the way to millennials and Gen Zs. It would be interesting to see if there's such a thing as a Christian nationalist Gen Z. 
right? And we need to explore, are there any such things as Christian nationalist millennials or Gen Zs? But I think when you ask a Christian nationalist Gen Z or a Gen Z about religion, um, they're fundamentally opposed to the concept. And church now, even the separation of church and state, I think there's a separation of church and generations, Gen Zs, and even starting with millennials, they're having a hard time really identifying with what the church is trying to do in the marketplace and in, in the space. So I'd be very curious to know, even from your perspective, how do you feel like we even define what a Christian nationalist is saying religion has to have an important role? Are they meaning Christianity? Um, and if that's the case, that would make sense. That statement would make sense from a Christian nationalist perspective. I mean, I, I think within the Christian nationalist framework, you have to assume that they mean Christianity. And I think we have to read this statement in relation to some of the other statements that are correlated with what it means to be a Christian national adherent, which include, you know, the true culture of the United States is fundamentally Christian. Uh, the federal government should declare the United States Christian nation. Even things like uh, public school should allow teachers and coaches to lead or encourage students in Christian prayer. Even just that qualifier of Christian prayer, I think is really important. And so, yes, I believe that when we're looking at this statement, what people who are answering the survey have in mind, it almost has to be Christianity. Where I would Exclusive. tend to, yeah, where, yes. I, where I would tend to um, take some exception to this is that, you know, uh, mm -hmm. two things. Number one, if... Mm -hmm. If people think that Christianity should be involved in the government, there are mechanisms for Christianity to be involved in the government, right? You can have mm -hmm. Christians in office. Yes. You can elect them. You can um, advocate for Christian policies, let's say. Um, and I use that term very loosely. Mm -hmm. um, by What I mean by that is policies with which Christians would see an alignment between the policy and some biblical teaching. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so we've got the easy ones like um, no abortion. You know, I would I've, I've said before, um, you know, Roe v. Wade was no, you know, was not good. Dobbs v. Jackson is not any better. Um, it's a it's a political compromise and we can't pass that off as Christian. At most, it's conservative. It's certainly not Christian because all it does is it changes the governance structure that determines uh, whether or not abortion is legal. It does not prohibit abortion. And so in those cases, yeah. what we're seeing there is we're seeing not a Christian instantiation of policy, right? We're seeing a uh -huh. policy that might move, we think, maybe in the right direction, right? Because some states are going to ban it altogether or some states are going to curtail certain practices or what have you. But it is still not a Christian decision because the Christian decision and the only Christian decision is no abortion. So we've got to be careful with that language. Um, but I, I think the idea of having religion involved in government here, um, what I would say the danger in my mind is that in joining forces with the state, when religion joins forces with the state, I have my doubts that the church is capable then of playing a different game. So let me explain it like this. Um, we, we've all played Monopoly, probably. Like Monopoly is a fairly popular board game. 
And it doesn't matter whether you choose the thimble or the car as your game piece, right? The gameplay doesn't, isn't affected by whether you are the car or the thimble. You're mm -hmm. still playing Monopoly. Yes. And so once you decide to play Monopoly, it doesn't matter whether you're the car or the thimble. Now, the choices that you make while you're playing Monopoly are all within the context of Monopoly, right? Do I mm -hmm. want to get the light blue properties that are really cheap and put hotels on them super fast but make less money? <laughs> or do I want to make the bet of trying to get the green properties on the on the other side of the board and in your know, boardwork park, park place so that if somebody lands on them, they're almost automatically bankrupt? Those are just choices. But they're all within the context mm -hmm. of the same game. And so what I would mm -hmm. argue is that when we're trying to weave religion into the state, what we're doing is we're denying religion the opportunity and specifically Christianity the opportunity to play an alternative game. We're, we're forcing the church to play Monopoly when it could be mm -hmm. playing chess or Catan or whatever, mm -hmm. right? Yes. Instead, it's like, nope. The church needs to pull in and play Monopoly with the state. And I, I just think there's a lot of problems with that because if we're thinking about it from a discipleship perspective, discipleship is to hone our senses so that we see the world differently. We hear the world differently. We experience the world differently. And if all that difference is going to entail is whether or not we buy the light blue properties or Boardwalk Park Place, I don't see what the big deal is. That's not a huge alternative. That's just yes. a different strategy playing the same game. And that mm -hmm. is not what the church is. The church is something more distinct than that. We are playing a completely different game. Uh, I think this is why in Ephesians 6, we, you know, Paul says, we do not wrestle mm -hmm. against flesh and blood. Mm -hmm. you know, we wrestle against the powers and principalities and spiritual realms. That is a different game. Mm -hmm. That's not a different strategy. It's a different game. And, and so yes. that to me is where some of this runs aground. Mm -hmm. uh, and part of the reason it's uncompelling to get back to your comment about Gen Z, I think part of the reason it's uncompelling to younger generations is because all they see is the choice between the car and the thimble. Yes. So yes. Who cares? Mm -hmm. Give me the thimble. Give me the car. We're all playing the same game. In other yes. words, we've made it so that religion doesn't matter. Yes. Yes. At, at the very least, it doesn't it's matter. Yesterday thing. Yeah, in such a, a significant way or a sufficient way that it would be compelling to people. Mm -hmm. Right? And, and so if I can hold conservative beliefs and not worry about going to church on Sundays, why wouldn't I? Mm -hmm. It mm -hmm. seems like an unnecessary trip. And so I, I think the church just has some work to do here. But this statement, religion has no place in government, I would actually tend to be in stronger agreement than disagreement with it. Not in the sense that I think Christians shouldn't participate in government. I don't have any issue with Christians holding office. I don't have any issues with Christian voting or any of that. Right. But I do think that the two realms, in order to remain distinct, religion cannot play the political game on the world's terms and and i think that's a crucial point on the yes. world's terms we're playing yes. on the world's terms we're really mm -hmm. no longer the church mm -hmm. 
because the church does not play games on anyone else's terms other than God's. It, it makes us disagreeable people, kind, compassionate, you know, all of those different things, but also very disagreeable. We're yes. going to rub against people. And that's mm-hmm. what I think it means to be salt and light. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us for part one of our conversation regarding religion's place in the government. We're going to continue this conversation on tomorrow's episode. So feel free to come back and check out part two. Take care, everybody. Just want to take a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the Thinking Christian podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Has fear stolen your peace? I'm Jennifer Slattery, lead host of the Faith Over Fear podcast, helping you fight your fears and grow your faith. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.